0: You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam.
1: Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 299 and 300. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, party's over. Let's get it back is. to work. All right. Man. But 300, if you uh, happen to <clears> just <throat> tune in for the first time, we highly suggest going back to uh, day one. Because we're following the story of God through the scriptures and kind of working it out in what we would call the oral tradition. We're talking. So we're glad you're with us. And this is day 300. We are a simple 65 days away from completing our mission, fully engaging the Word of God
0: in a year. Mm Kind of crazy, but great. Woo! So, where are we today? Our Old Testament readings for today is Jeremiah chapter 52 and Habakkuk chapters one through three, or just the whole book. Sweet.
1: Let's finish Jerry. What do you say? We've been affectionately calling him Jerry, Uh Jeremiah, and we are at chapter 52. We did it. We did it, man. And you know what? This is the most fun I've ever had reading Jeremiah because it's... Last year, I understood it for really kind of for the first time. I don't want to admit that. But in a narrative way, not just in a proof text way. Mm -hmm. And then this year, it just kind of made sense, you know? So it ends kind of recounting everything kind of historical slash cautionary slash prophetic
0: way. Yeah, so it, it recounts the fall of Jerusalem yeah. The exile of the people, <clears throat> the burning of the temple, and a glimmer of hope for the future. Yes.
1: So we hear about Zedekiah again. Right? Yes, and last his, king of Judah. And um, he reigns only 11 years before this happens. So he's 21 when it starts. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be uh, 32. And instead of listening to Jeremiah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he takes off in the middle of the night through. Some hole in the king's garden wall or something, yep. and gets chased down. And then this doesn't this reaccount, kind of.
0: Yep, it reaccounts. re-accounts um, um, uh Yeah, what happens? The fall then? of Jerusalem, where Zedekiah he tries to make a run, he gets k- kidnapped. Uh, all of his sons and all the nobles are murdered before his eyes, and then his eyes are gouged out, and he's led in chains into Babylon with all the other. People of Jerusalem, where they are going to live out their days in exile. And it is like, it's, okay, so this is literally what happened.
1: But then there's, for me, there's like a spiritual idea. I can spiritualize it a little bit, and I think I'm free to. Which is, this is what idols, this is what fear, this is what anxiety, this is the end of all those things. Oh, yeah. Is the thing you're scared of kills everything you love mm-hmm. and gouges out your eyes because you weren't using them anyway mm-hmm. and then humiliates you yes. like that's what all idols do Yes. and so the king of Israel has finally been overwhelmed by idolatry, mm-hmm. the idol finally reveals itself and says <clears throat> I am nothing but death and humiliation um, but God is using Babylon to allow this to happen to bring them back
0: mm-hmm. but,
1: so that's pretty sad but I think, I felt I felt the most sadness. So you got the dealing of the king, you got the people who are going to be exiled and sent to Babylon, right? Yeah. But then in between is this section on the temple is burned. Mm-hmm. And that's where I felt more emotion, surprisingly, this time, than the people stuff. Right. Was they start to list the things in the temple. Like even down <clears> to, <throat> what, shovels and... Yeah, utensils, snuffers, like all these things that if you can remember back to day 100 and something, who knows, when we were reading about the temple with, the, Solomon. with Solomon, but even uh, in Exodus when he gives all the stuff to Moses, mm-hmm. they are in the Exodus. Yeah, right. They're so excited. They have nothing but the future ahead of them and 400 years of slavery behind them. And God anoints and sets apart Everything from the person who's going to make these things, to how they're used, to who gets to use them. There's so much attention to the place where God is going to show up for his people and put his name. And now it's just all being desecrated and stolen and burned. It's just really tragic. The things that God set up and created for him to show up for us, we let go. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And uh, we let
0: go of all the time. And then uh, it ends... With uh, a callback to Jehoiachin, I know. who he was, he was the king that was um, deposed of by Babylon eleven years ago before Zedekiah. That's right. Uh, so Babylon came in, and we're we're gonna address this in Habakkuk actually. So Babylon came in and uh, took uh, Jehoiachin and three thousand. Judeans, Daniel being one of them, into exile 11 years before the actual fall of Jerusalem. They set up Zedekiah. Zedekiah was going to be their representative. And then Zedekiah rebelled, and hence the ensuing war for the next 11 years. Uh, But here, Jehoiachin is still in exile. And the following uh, king of Babylon, evil Murdoch, uh, lets... Jehoiachin out of prison and treats him as like one of his own like brothers or family members. And he's like, you eat at my table now.
1: Do you remember... Uh, <clears throat> okay, so this reminded me of David yes. and Jonathan, right? Yes. So Jonathan was Saul's son. Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. Mm-hmm. And he could have wiped out all of Saul's people, but instead he allows Mephibosheth to sit at the king's table and loves him for the sake of Jonathan. And so it's so cool to see God set up for the sake of God's word, you know, for the sake of David almost. You have this evil king saying, I'm going to treat one of the old kings of Israel nice. Yeah. And it's just like a a little glimmer of hope. Like, see, God's not totally snuffing, he hasn't devoted his people to destruction. Right. He's still thinking about them. And so Jeremiah to me ends with this. This idea that God doesn't forget his promises. Right. Yeah. Things are bad. You've forgotten him, but he will not forget you. Oof. Sweet. Well, I'd love to spend more time kind of breaking down Jeremiah, but we got to cover the book of Habakkuk.
0: Yeah. So, Habakkuk. I like his name. The Embracer. It's the
1: Embracer, one who takes him in his <clears throat> arms. Mm-hmm. So, Habakkuk is the Embracer, and again, we're realizing... Uh, After I say this, make sure I'm right. But we're realizing that there's schools of prophets. It's not like an easy thing for a prophet. He doesn't just get the word of the Lord and type it into his phone and send it out. Mm -hmm. It like takes a lot of time to even, if he does, once he does get the word of the Lord, to talk about it and then to schedule someone to help write it and to get the, Mm -hmm. the scroll, the papyrus, the ink, like all these things. It's pretty amazing. But you realize they're not in isolation. That God hasn't just sent one prophet. That there's schools of prophets. And these are the guys who were able to write down everything that's said. I mean, think about on a, any given Sunday, how many sermons are being preached around the world.
0: True. And how many yeah. of
1: those sermons will be uh, written down in a book to be passed down. Now, many are recorded now. Uh, you can listen to them, but who listens to them? You know, It's going to be the people who know those people. <clears throat> and so these are the prophets who rose above... And have been preserved. So it's kind of cool to think about all of that. And so Habakkuk waited for the word of the Lord patiently. And the word to him was a message of humility and sincere faith. Because at the time he's writing, it's about Assyria.
0: No. Well, no. it's like, it, 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 Yes and no.
1: They were scared of Assyria. They weren't well, really
0: scared of Babylon yet is what I think. <clears throat> yeah, so literally the, the rise of Babylon happened in a year. And, so fast. And so they are just coming out of the... Watching Assyria destroy the northern tribes. Um, Josiah was, like, four years ago, the king of kings. And you're like, yes, you're feeling good about Os- Josiah. Um, remember, Jeremiah is operating through all of this as well. He's at the same time. Jeremiah's mm-hmm. at the same time. Daniel's at the same time. Habakkuk. As Habakkuk. As Habakkuk. And so... Josiah just got killed by Pharaoh, Pharaoh Nebo, or Necho, Necho, Necho. and they had just become a vassal state of Egypt, and in the year that Habakkuk is writing this down, they're still kind of nervous about the Assyrians, right? and they're going, "Um, I think the Assyrians are going to take us over, Uh, Habakkuk is recognizing the king that he's under right now is wicked, is not following the Lord. He's going, what is happening? Why God are you allowing evil people to rule and reign and prosper? And then the Lord is like, "Oh, they're not going to rule, reign and prosper for long. There I just had group, new group that is going to be coming from the north that's going to overwhelm the Assyrians and you." See, that's so
1: helpful because as you're reading it, I kind of pieced that together. I'm glad we're talking about it. But it is because I got the sense from Habakkuk that he is going, oh, there's good news. It's not Assyria. Mm -hmm. But wait, it's bad news. There's a new one coming from the north. Right. And so to put it in perspective for everybody, it is helpful to realize Assyria just was top dog, Mm -hmm. destroyed the north. Habakkuk's writing from the southern perspective going we're next if we're not careful. Right. God then says, oh no, don't worry about Assyria. Yay! Because Babylon's going to be way worse. Mm-hmm. Then Habakkuk's message is really, oh God, have mercy. Evil is out of control. Um, where are you? Yes. Like God, where are you? Uh, I don't know. He he, ha- he issues an official complaint. Like things are out of control. Things mm-hmm. are evil. And now you're telling me there's more evil. Have mercy. And then Then God answers in Mm -hmm. chapter two, right? So like the first one is, the first chapter is really um, his complaint.
0: Well, and then he does answer. The Lord answers in the first chapter. Yeah, sorry, that's what
1: we were just talking about. So he's like, "What's going on?" The Lord answers. Oh, it's actually Babylon. And then he complains, and he's
0: like, "Oh dear God, everything is like, yeah. Are you going to destroy us? Um, Like, you are going to keep. How can you keep your covenant promise to us if you're just going to destroy us by another yet another nation?"
1: And, and then the Lord says, That's why I write this down. Right. Make it plain on tablets um, so that he who reads it, you know, know, I want you to know the truth. And then he kind of breaks down the reality
0: the reality of the sin of Judah. Like, yeah. the people are corrupt. They need to be cleansed, they need to have someone who's going to roll through here and punish them because they're not listening to you. They're not listening to me. And the pride has made them, I don't know if this is where he breaks into,
1: the pride has made them drunk and basically will kill them. Like, Then, because then he moves to woe to the Chaldeans. So yeah. Habakkuk gets like, all right, the righteous will live by faith, mm-hmm. keep living by faith, and but this is why it's happening to your people. Mm-hmm. They've turned from me, they worship idols and all that. But woe to the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, because um, they are building off the blood of others.
0: yeah. Uh, there is, oh man, there was like a really cool phrase that the Lord uses for, to describe them. It was, uh, in chapter two, the, it might've been, oh, it was in chapter one, but the way he boils down what the Chaldeans are and who they are, the Babylonians, he says, um, they're guilty men whose own might is their God. Right. And then he's just breaking that down in chapter 2. He's like, they think that they're doing all of this stuff, that they're conquering all their victories and everything that they are doing and accomplishing is from their own might. Right. But it's not. It's me using them as a tool to discipline my children. And they're going to continue to think, even though I will clearly tell them through Daniel and Ezekiel that, no, this is from me, they will still claim that it's their own might, that they are their own God, and I will shatter them like they shattered all these nations. Yeah. So if
1: you didn't get it in uh, Isaiah and you didn't get it in Jeremiah, Habakkuk kind of comes and is a connecting piece mm-hmm. to show all the little pieces in three short chapters. He basically, at the end of two, shows that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, God's judgment on Babylon because of their greed their pride their violence their abusive neighbors their idolatry and so what would be the um the response to that repent repent of your sin mm-hmm. and then chapter three is Habakkuk's prayer yes and it's a beautiful prayer I, I think it was used in temple worship it has like a musical signature kind of mm-hmm. rhythm um or lament to it and basically it's God's glory and power are terrifying yeah you know, I mean, it's, it's long gospel. It's like, it's terrifying or it's comforting. It's and usually it's both
0: Mm -hmm. in that
1: order. You're terrified and then you're comforted and he will exalt us under his son Christ. So do not be overwhelmed by trouble and death. Trust continually in God's saving
0: help. Yeah. And then I love the way it ends. Yeah. The ending, uh, I just want to read it, actually. I
1: think this is where Paul gets some of his stuff, like rejoice in the Mm -hmm. Lord always. Mm -hmm. And again, I say rejoice. I'm going to read it. 17 and 19? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on, on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. No
1: matter what is going on, our God is the creator. He can handle your complaints and turn them to joy and produce confidence in the grace of God for
0: our salvation. So I also do want to just, the framing of this book again is, he's, historically, it's um, he's writing this the year of Babylon's rise. So the same year that he writes this all, Nebuchadnezzar takes Babylon into this from this like failing nation, struggling mm-hmm. nation underneath the Assyrian Empire, overthrows the Assyrian Empire, rebuilds Babylon, sweeps across uh, Israel, d- takes Judah, and then defeats Egypt all in one year. And that's the same year that Daniel and all his boys are exiled. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm crazy man yeah it like so, just happened so Habakkuk quick.
1: is like on the
0: on the precipice and
1: he's just like you got to trust me because mm-hmm. this kind of success is unprecedented and obviously from the Lord mm-hmm. to do anything in a year yes in even in today's technology is hard yeah cool man Habakkuk we got through with Jeremiah and
0: Habakkuk today let's move on to our New Testament our New Testament reading for today is Titus chapters 1 and 2.
1: So what's going on with Titus? Who's Paul writing to here?
0: All right. Titus is another minister, another pastor. This is uh, another pastoral letter like First and Second Timothy. And um, I'm trying to remember. He's Crete. Crete. That's right. He is on the island of Crete. The island of Crete. And um, um, I forgot about that yeah
1: and so he's gonna address Titus with the same concerns that he's been addressing everybody uh, soundness of doctrine mm-hmm. and how to live and setting up elders and um, I it starts off you know we
0: have the God who never lies yeah he's like Titus our God never lies and I do like that because probably because of where he's at yeah that's why he's using he I love being aware of the context and knowing that Paul is like, I'm aware of where you're at, Titus. You're on the Isle of Crete. And they were known to be liars and slanderers and tricksters. And and so he's going, I just want you to anchor in the truth. Our God is not that. And the
1: to Titus, my true child, in a common faith, it's kind of what we need today. It's like we feel isolated, like mm-hmm. we're the only ones who believe this. But right. he's like, Titus, you're part of a huge group of people that believes this. There's a common faith. And the com- the commonality we have is on the word of God. God is not a liar. And he does reference, uh, Paul quotes, I guess it's uh, Epimenides, Epimenides from 600 BC, was the philosopher who said all Cretans are known as liars, mm-hmm. evil, lazy gluttons. And so Paul's using it, though to say it's not all Cretans because you guys are Cretans and Mm -hmm. you've been changed by Christ, but it's especially all the Cretan teachers because I think that's how Epimenides was using it, was like Cretan teachers represent Cretan people and Mm -hmm. so they give them what they want because they're all greedy and lazy.
0: Yeah.
1: And so that leads into the challenge for Titus, which is, first of all, um, be above reproach. Like you got to set up to make this work. you got to create a community that's based on the Word of God and so he gives kind of a lighter order of um, eldership. Uh, if anyone's above reproach, the husband of one wife, children are believers, and, and all that. For, it's a set up overseeing. Some of the differences, real quickly, some of the differences I read about were because Titus is young, mm-hmm. and a lot of these people are going to be young.
0: Yeah, and recent converts. like yeah. So like one of the things that was given to Timothy, one of the qualifications was, shouldn't be a recent convert. But he leaves that out here. Because again, so he's setting up elders and the way that word is used and it's interchangeable with overseer and it's another word for shepherd or pastor. Right. And so he's encouraging Titus and telling Titus, hey, you need other pastors in this. You need other ministers of the gospel. So these are the general qualifications for those guys and I trust you to go around and equip these guys for the ministry to help you.
1: Right, and so one of the way you help help do this is to order your lives in a way that's based on the word of God. So in this letter, he's like explaining, yeah, you got to stay away from all these things, Mm -hmm. these certain things. Like you need to protect your mind and your conscience and your behavior because it all speaks to uh, the gospel. Like you're representing the gospel. Mm -hmm. So you're like putting on the jersey so it matters. You have to be aware of this. And so that's why it kind of ends with, you know, hold to the word. Like you need to listen. Don't get deceived by empty talkers. We were talking about that in Timothy, like, yeah. because uh, this is the challenge. There's false teachers, people who are proclaiming prophetic authority, but they don't mm-hmm. really have it because it's not based on <sighs> the word of God. The word of God, and so it's like they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, you're not saved by your works. You're saved by the work of Christ. But He redeems you, and He starts conforming you in the image like the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. begins to create at least a desire to live in the ways that God, again, it goes to created order. And so I think to just kind of enter into this realistically today, who is giving us, Paul's saying, who's giving you your truth?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You need to identify that for the people, Titus. And Titus is probably a young man. Like he might be 20 something, who knows? Right, Or even younger, 2019. And this is the same thing we ask our kids, essentially, it's like, or our culture. Who is in our heads? Who gets to speak? Because um, I don't know if I said this already on here or it was in one of our conversations. But like one of the ancient complaints of Plato. Oh yeah. Was that as a philosopher, he's like, there's all these uh, philosophies have consequences, mm-hmm. and so popular music. Plato's like, I don't like popular music because it's faulty logic. It's faulty philosophies that Mm -hmm. lead to nothing and to laziness and stupidity. Yet it's catchy. It's put to a tune and repeated over and over again and embeds itself in the minds and hearts of the people, which is so funny, right? Because (laughs) you think about in our culture, it's like we're saying, oh, you need to put the truth of God in your heart and mind. Mm -hmm. Yet how many hours of Netflix do I watch? How much Mm -hmm. music do I listen to? What philosophies are they singing about? Right. They're usually singing about their struggles with depravity, mm-hmm. their anger, their whatever. And if they're really good, they, they stumble upon some truths out right. there, but they don't know how to handle those mm-hmm. truths and they don't come to the conclusions of truth. And so it's like music, TV, movies, media, they're not even proclaimed teachers. And when you say, hey, you're teaching a bad philosophy, they're like, I'm not a teacher. I'm an entertainer. You can change right. the channel. Right. True enough, but we're weak and we don't. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like if if Paul was around today, he'd be saying to young people and to Titus and to us, hey, man, be aware of what philosophy you're putting in your mind. Yes. Because this whole thing has to be banked on the word of God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All empty talkers, uh, Oh, it says they're empty talkers for shameful gain.
0: Now, mm-hmm. if that
1: doesn't describe, <laughs> I don't want to hurt, you know, uh, people who make movies or music and stuff, they have a message. Yes. Um, but yes. and so I don't want to say all but there are several out there who are just producing stuff to make money
0: oh yeah no, and yeah, I think totally. we all can agree and I know mm-hmm. there's
1: some pure artists out there that have uh, I thought you were
0: going to say something offensive but no they would agree
1: and so to me <laughs> when Paul says they're empty talkers out for shameful gain uh-huh. we have our culture looks to the entertainment world. It's all about the
0: money, right?
1: And they're empty talkers for shameful gain. And mm-hmm. you have to think that going in. So then you begin to monitor how much am I putting in my mind? How is this affecting me? I mean, I've had to stop watching shows before.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, same.
1: Because, like, I okay years ago, I I liked The Sopranos a little too much. Mm-hmm. I started like liking the mob boss mm-hmm. idea, and I could see myself as Tony Soprano. Mm-hmm. And you know what I had to do? I go on when I'm not watching the show. I'm starting to think about. Yeah, I'd be like uh, Tony Soprano. (laughs) Just That guy cut me off in traffic. I should have him killed. And, you know, no, I didn't. This is kind of a joke, but kind of not. And I had to go, why am I angry? Why am I thinking? I'm just trying to help the audience realize, like, in real life, it's not shameful to go, oh, I'm watching too much TV and I'm so immature. I'm saying this is a reality. Right. There's a competition for your brain. There's a competition for your time and your heart. And so I had to say... And I struggled because I'm like, I'm free. Mm -hmm. I can watch whatever I want. Mm -hmm. But I realized, Lord,
0: I'm just getting. This is. I'm getting wrapped up in a weird narrative.
1: Yeah, and it's affecting the Mm -hmm. way I'm filtering and thinking about things, Mm -hmm. and I don't like it. Right. So I was free to stop watching it. Yeah. And I did. So I think that's what he's saying to Titus, but we got more in chapter two.
0: Yeah, so in chapter two, we kind of get this cool. The positive, right? Cool structure of what, okay. This is the goal of what the church is going to look like. Yeah. Like you, especially in the place you're at right now, uh, you're going to change this idea that you're all liars, lazy, and undisciplined. Yeah. And we're going to flip it, and Christ is going to create something new in here where the old men are self-controlled, dignified, sound in faith. The women are self-controlled and pure and not uh, addicted to wine. and. And empty talk and has changed, right? I, in right. our culture, I mean, for the men and women, it's like Woo!
1: we're all
0: like so
1: similar, uh-huh. even though our cultural context is so different. Yeah, couldn't be more different. But he does say, "Teach the sound doctrine, like healthy, whole mm-hmm. doctrine in accord with the teaching of Christ, which was given to the apostles." Like this is what we anchor on, and then I love that it's like what Paul's been doing is mm-hmm. giving household codes, like. Yeah. Look, I'll give you some practical things. Like, you love your wife, you love your husband, you love your kids, you love your masters and slaves. The, um, the one thing I looked into was the average age. Oh, yeah. So, for according to the tomb inscriptions that they found, the average age, on average, a man would live to 46 years old. 46 and a half. And um, so, if you were, like, lived to 80, you are considered remarkable. You know what I mean? Huh. Um, and then you have for women, it was the average age, according to tombstones of that time was 34. And I was like, women lived a harder, I think they, they had a hard life.
0: Yeah. 34. I mean, like, childbearing. And probably, and that's, yeah,
1: that's probably skewed, not skewed, but be, the reality is if you have kids, you could die in childbirth. And so that probably made the number, um, because here's what else I found out. And we've kind of known this before, but Roman law said, um, the earliest you could marry a woman, she had to be at a minimum 12. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: when you're reading about him telling the older women need to teach the younger women how to love their husbands and how to take care of a house, and it doesn't forbid them from working, Mm -hmm. and the older men need to teach... What we're saying is the (laughs) 30-year-olds need to teach the 13-year-olds... You know, If you're 25 and you've been married for uh, 12 years you need to take this middle schooler under your wing and teach her. So think about this. So yes. college age girls uh-huh. take the middle school age girls and show them how to be married and run a household. Right. College age dudes, because if you're 25, you're midlife, man. Yeah. Like I'm already, I got two years left. <laughs> um, and so when you put it in that perspective, because we always take it defensively. I feel like we read this like, a, like, I can't find an older woman to mentor me or I can't find an older man to mentor me. It's like, you know what? If you're 30, you you probably need to be beyond... (laughs) You should probably know some of this stuff by now. Uh. This is quite literally to 15. Like, this is my daughter, Grace, who's 13. Right. Which makes so much sense, doesn't it? Right. Like, if Grace got married this year, who's... I hope, like, your wife would be like... Or other women who are I consider young women in our church, but Mm -hmm. they're, like, late 20s, Mm -hmm. early 30s, would take grace under their wing and go, hey, you're 13, I'm glad you're married. You're basically married because you can produce babies now and uh, you're yeah. only going to live to 34.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: So let me show you how to... I, I just... I, when you put it in this perspective, it takes away all of our... Whatever you can be offended by from Paul, like he tells women to be submissive and to love their husbands and he tells them, you know, like that's in here. Right, right. But yeah, because she's 15. <laughs> think about our 15 year olds i mean there's not a lot of difference between my 15 year old and 30 year olds i know
0: oh man so
1: anyway that's just putting everything i just yeah
0: no that's good that's a good that that changes
1: it's middle school and so that's why it's like here's our truth and then think about you're you're that age i mean you're gonna be so moved by popular culture and what's going on i mean why it's just so Likewise, that's why he hits everybody. Likewise, young men, be self-controlled, you know? Mm -hmm. And then he's like saying, look, you guys are going to be married. You're teenagers, married, trying to make a living. And you have to be self-controlled, not giving fuel or any kind of anything to the enemy Mm -hmm. to discredit yourselves. Right. And if you're a slave, don't steal from your master. You be a good worker. If you're a master, you know, he does all his normal stuff. But they are in a, uh, a cultural context that is opposite of the gospel. Right. And so, because um, outside of the church, older women are trying to maintain their power in the gossip circles. Mm-hmm. Older men are trying to maintain their power in the, the circles of power mm-hmm. and not help the young people. Right. Use them and then humiliate them. So, again, it's like, hey, the gospel will change everything. Yeah. Renounce the devil. And then ultimately, I think it's what we we're always saying. You just got to ask Jesus for help with all this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: God, so like in the, it's not the legalism of your life better match up to what you believe or else God's not going to be able to work. That's not true at all. Mm-hmm. What it really is, is like God's saying, I want your lifestyle, your relationships, your behavior to all match up with the gospel. So now ask Christ to help do that and he will help you right. to match these
0: things up. Right. So Because <laughs>
1: otherwise you're... Forever 15 <laughs> uh,
0: in chapter 14 to, I guess end with this is verse uh, uh, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works love it and so again it's Jesus who's doing this work in us He has yep. redeemed us from our life of lawlessness
1: That's right you're no longer a Cretan don't mm-hmm. try harder. Ask. Cretan's going to Crete. Ask more. Ask Christ to enter
0: into your life more. Cool. Thanks, Paul. Our psalm for today is Psalm 119, verses 105 through 112. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted
1: just been fed by ravens go in peace and serve the lord we will talk to you next time